Hi guys, welcome back to the Rice at Home podcast. It is Amma here. Money Max. And we are back with Disunomics. Um, and we're going to be interviewing him on his podcast and basically what he does in his life. So, um, can you please tell us who are you and what do you do? Um, my name is Ayo Disunomics. I podcast about economical stuff and just general um, current affairs. And sometimes like stuff that happens more socially and then pop culture and try and make it quite economically relevant. So I've been doing that for probably over over a year. Actually, I started in October 2016, but I was mad inconsistent. Did a podcast like once every, only don't know how many weeks. (laughs) And then, because obviously my life was a bit hectic. And then I think early 2017, I think I must have tweeted I want to do a podcast every week. And because I tweeted it, I'm one person, if I say I'm going to do something, I have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been doing them every week. I've missed like maybe two weeks Mm. since, or three, and two just because of illness, and one because I was away. So that's what I do. And obviously I work in finance, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) That's my day job. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So um, have you always kind of been into finance and economics, or did it just happen? Uh, It kind of just happened. When I was, it happened in year, what year was it? Year 11, because um, the, the brighter kids at school at year nine got the option to be able to do an express GCSE. So they, instead of doing one GCSE across the two year period, they could do what, cram one into one year and one to another year. Oh. And before I always wanted to do law. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do law and history. And then the law teacher decided to go to Cambodia or something like that. Okay. So we had a choice of either economics or geography. I knew for a fact I weren't doing geography because I didn't care about the rocks. So, <laughs> as our economics, I think that's something to do with like business and stuff like that. At yeah. them time, I'm 14 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're don't just really like, know nothing about economics. Yeah. yeah. So, I did one Google of what the word, I don't even Google them, so I'm in Arts G's or something, or whatever I searched. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me do that. And then just studying it in year 11. So, I did my GCSE history in year 10, then started economics in year 11. And I just was incredibly interested in it. Like, to me, it was almost like it was just natural, it just made sense to me. Mm. Like, it was just like speaking English. Yeah. It just came to me naturally. Yeah. And then, so, come year, come, obviously, finish my GCSEs, go into sixth form, and I'm picking subjects for the A-levels. So, I picked maths, actually, because I was good at maths. I enjoyed maths. What else I picked? I picked politics, because I was interested in politics, philosophy, and economics. And then, when I got my grades in AS, because it was, I think it was like three units, out of 100, I only dropped three marks, so like 297 out of 300. Wow. So, raw, I'm actually live at this. Yeah, I'm gonna say, <laughs> so forget law. I'm gonna say, I'm just, yeah, literally, I just, as soon as I saw that grade, I was like, I'm not doing law, I'm doing economics. Like, F that, like, I'm good at this. Yeah. I could potentially make money. So, that's how I kind of got into um, economics and trying to get interested in finance. I think also following politics comes kind of almost hand in hand with it. Yeah. So, I think my interest in economics kind of help shape my political views. Okay, mm, mm, mm. So, And then, and I'm quite logical, mathematical in nature. And then just seeing how it balanced with politics, which is a bit different, so. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been interested in finance, essentially. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting that you say um, you only dropped three marks, cause like one thing that's quite impressive about you is you are quoting all these statistics from head. Like we're reading off our notes and you're just off the head. Yeah, this amount of people do this and this amount of, um, money goes into advertising and stuff like that. It's mad because my memory is actually shambolic. Like I forget a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I get into a lot of trouble now. I used to have a really good memory, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's me getting older or me taking more information. Bad diet. I don't know whatever it is. <laughs> Maybe it's the devil. I don't know. Whatever it is, my memory is like kind of fading. But when it comes to like 
numbers it just it just, it just stays yeah it just stays there and also um, i'm quite evidence-based in terms of my arguments even when i'm arguing with like friends or something like i'm like okay why did you feel that way why do you think it's a good action to take and i always like to back things up with evidence so yeah. and it helps my understanding so i'm like why do i think this means this oh yeah because i saw that x amount of num x percent that yeah so yeah i've always kind of tried to think that way yeah. i'm definitely the same like when it comes to arguing and debating is very systematic it's the thing of okay mm. can we agree on this mm. cool so you agree that this is this mm. therefore that means this is this right yeah. therefore this means this is this so you agree with me and I'm right yeah. and you basically back them into a corner until yeah. they, they have to agree that you are correct yeah because obviously if you don't have like structure and use evidence then you could just be arguing anything it's like true. I, I could argue that the sky is purple yeah. like if I wanted to like some people some people that's what they're doing in, in society right now <laughs> some people do the equivalent of arguing the sky is I don't know black and then you can look up, you see, no, but it's definitely blue. Or they'll be saying, oh, the capital of London is Aberdeen. You'll be like, no, Aberdeen's in Scotland. <laughs> that's, that's almost essentially what people are doing right now. And that's why you need evidence mm. In, mm. in most arguments anyway. Yeah. You can't have evidence for everything. Yeah. I also like how you said it kind of it helped with your political views. Because I've mm. definitely experienced the same thing. I used to be extremely left, liberal, mm. SJW, basically. Yeah. And then, yeah, I found out the numbers just don't check out mm. for, for most of that rhetoric. Mm. Like, even um, stuff like, Knowing that, okay, just because we say something is a human right, that doesn't make it immune to scarcity. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not valuable. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't be paid for, stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably call myself a bit more of a centrist now. Yeah. If not conservative. Yeah, when I see when I speak to a lot of um, people who's, who are very interested in economics, very, very few of them are left-leaning. They're either centrist or right, which is quite interesting. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm on a quest to find as many left-leaning <laughs> um, economists, whether they're like on our level just people who are just interested in it who just studied it or full-on full-blown academics just so i can get a balance because i follow quite a lot of more rightly i don't really see myself on political spectrum because i feel like with politics it's like every issue is is almost separate in a way so like how could one view encapsulate all your opinions on one issue that's why i can understand centrist more because yeah. it just depends on the issue yeah yeah, you know yeah. I'm saying? Exactly. but people are like yeah no no i'm a liberal black so you're liberal on every single issue like even in the fence, like, oh yeah, we shouldn't have war. They're coming to bomb the country, oh yeah, we shouldn't have war. Does that make sense? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it just yeah, um it, it definitely it definitely helps it definitely helps shape my opinions on economics. But yeah, I'm definitely in the quest for looking for people who are more left leaning. Um so obviously you run you've started and consistently run now Dishonomics podcast. Um how do you think your podcast fits the gap in the market? Um, I think it kind of helps bridge the gap between information that people need to know and probably want to know if they if they actually thought about it and they just don't. Um, I've always tweeted about economics here and there, but nobody really paid attention to my tweets. So, and tweeting about economical stuff is kind of long. Mm-hmm. I always felt like people need to know these things because when you see it on TV, it's a 45, 50 year old white man in a suit talking about talking in a lot of jargon mm-hmm. and nobody's gonna really take that in or if it comes in the news you see a couple of graphs or lines looking like heartbeats like nobody's gonna really pay attention to that because they don't it's not natural to them but all these stuff like inflation what's gonna happen with your mortgage what's unemployment like interest rates that's all things that are very relevant to everybody yeah so I was like I need to be like almost like a middleman and just kind of convert that information into easy ways for people to understand so at first I started writing but I don't like writing. Even though it got, it got, it got good feedback, but writing is just long. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, very lazy. 
So then I was like, okay, let me just podcast because it's just so much easier. So yeah, I saw there was a gap that people didn't even care about information that when things go wrong, you yeah. sit there care. So people were like, wait, hold on, uni fees went up. Or, oh my God, did the economic crash? Oh my God, housing market is going out of, out of control. People care after the facts. Mm. Brexit, oh my God, what's, why believe the E? What? But the signs were there from early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were right in front of everybody's eyes. But people's eyes weren't trained to see it. Yeah. So. Yeah. People don't understand that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, are you trying to scale the pod? So in terms of, are you trying to, obviously you're trying to grow it, but in terms of, um, from a business perspective, are you trying to scale it into something bigger or is it going to be just primarily podcast? Um, I think I've been thinking about it over like the last like six months. Like I would love to, um, person, as a person, I would like to be like almost like a political economic commentator. Mm. And I would love to have like my own radio station. Like I would love, to, but again, I need to research, is radio even popular like that these days? But I would love to have like my own media outlet. Yeah. Mm. Whereas people get the information from me, they could count on me as a person to mm-hmm. deliver them information. They might have, a, might have a cheeky laugh, but it'll be concise, easy to understand. Yeah. So I'm not in the business of, oh, I'm smart about economics. Let me show people I'm smart. <laughs> Which a lot of people do. Like yeah. when there's when they're good at politics or something, they just yeah. want to let me to know. I'm not in, I'm not into that yeah. into that type of nonsense. Like I just want to make inform as many people as possible, and also be influential because a lot of media outlets are very very influential mm. for the wrong reasons. People like Rupert Murdoch. Mm. He's essentially a kingmaker because if his if these news corporations say we're supporting the Tories or we're supporting the Lib Dems or we're supporting Labour, best believe that party is going to win. Yeah, and. Can you really trust them people's attentions now? Yeah. I know my attentions are just purely information. I'm not even trying to sway people anywhere. You could choose which way you want to choose. So I think it's important for people who are a bit more neutral and actually have general interest in the world the well being and people's best interests, mm. not just my own, have at least some form of influence. And also just to G check the nonsense we see on TV and on radio, especially from people who are Muslim general migrants black we have a lot of negative connotations about us yeah. in the media which is wrong and also just media manipulating stories telling us lies governments telling us lies so it would be important for at least there'll be somebody to try to help bring a little bit of democracy to things so that's my long term plan that's cool God, God willing sure. <laughs> cool. Um, I wanted to ask because I was having a conversation about this the other day. Do you think that this country's laws, um, especially like their tax laws, are friendly to small businesses? Hmm. I think it could be friendlier. I think their tax laws aren't that bad. Like I think, what country was I looking at had an even higher corporation tax? I think I might have been the, the United States. I think they even had higher. I think at some points it was like 33%. Wow. And 33%? Yeah. If, if, I want to double check, but I remember because Trump, Trump was trying to bring them all the way down. And obviously they got like federal and state tax, which are different, all types of complex taxes. Yeah. Whereas here, I think it's only really business rates that are really terrible for businesses. Yeah. So even the way you can decide to, if you want to have VAT or not, kind of helps small businesses. I think I don't think the tax laws are that bad. I think the only thing that kind of could potentially shag small businesses is stuff like minimum wage. So let's mm. say you're like, you've got like a small shop, you want to hire staff, you're gonna to have to pay somebody at least seven pounds if they're like over 18, seven pounds an hour. Their actual productivity might even be way less than yeah. seven pounds fifty hours. So you're making a loss on them as a person. So maybe stuff like that. But um, I don't think this country is that bad in terms of laws for small businesses from in terms of from a taxation point of view. 
Because mm. corporate stats are nineteen percent, and that's probably going to um, drop anyway. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur in this economy? To an entrepreneur, um, I had a podcast a couple of weeks ago with two or three weeks with my boy uh, Keith Misexposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah I heard it. Um, he's a very good entrepreneur. Like he's making moves now. So we spoke about a lot of things. First, things like surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah. So like, um, if you're very good at planning, but you're not very good at like meeting people, executing pitches, you might want to get somebody to help you that. If you have somebody who's more, remember you were saying, I think you were discussing in the other podcast where we are talking about advertisement, that um, with creatives, they need to learn the business side. Yeah. Mm. Maybe you're a creative, so maybe you want to get somebody on board that, that knows the business side, maybe like a business student, an MBA student, something like that. So having the right people around you so you can kind of cover all areas of business from marketing to accounting to sales, do you know, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing is take, take it seriously. Like, if you're an entrepreneur, take it like, even me, and this is even advice myself, I need to take it even more seriously than I am now. Because if you want people to buy into your products, like, we've all been there, we've bought something that's shoddy, like, how we act, like, we do not have a bar of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a high customer service, yeah. so you, you should expect that of yourself. Mm-hmm. So take it seriously. And also, I always say, like, look at your market, what you're in. So we were off-air discussing a podcast market, researching it. That's what people should be doing, look at your market, looking at what the best people in your market do well, looking at what they do wrong. What are the threats in your market? What's opportunities? Yeah. Those are the type of things you need to be doing. Yeah. In my opinion, as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I've definitely seen time and time again on the TL, I'm seeing businesses pop up, pop up, pop up. And I'm just like, you guys are literally carbon copies of yourselves. And there's no differentiator between Mm. you two. How did you not look at who was here before you? Mm. Like, that's the indicator of what's to come. Like, as in you, like, what's to come from you? Like, we need to be looking at what's going on in the market so that you know, okay, this has already been done. This is stuff that I need to do because this is just how this industry works. And then, okay, how can I take it to another level so that people will actually rather, oh, come to me instead of going to the people that already exist. It's just quite <laughs> interesting because time and time again, small businesses still aren't taking the time to do market research and just launching based on their amazing idea versus yeah, yeah. seeing that like, yeah, it works. Like, yeah, there's more than having talent or being having an idea. You also have to be able to market and make it a product. So yeah, you want, you want to be able to do that research. It's so, it's, it's so important. Otherwise, you're just going to really just be kicking yourself in the foot consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, I wanted to ask kind of your views on the whole EU situation, Brexit, hard Brexit, soft Brexit, mm. and what that means for businesses and um, for basically people who are young and our age, our generation. Um, Because obviously we're like seeing impacts and stuff like the housing market, we're seeing impacts and stuff like trade deals. Um, How do you think it's going to affect our age and how do you think we we should be seeking to navigate that? Um, So Brexit is short as a royal mess. Um, (laughs) My original, I I voted to remain and not because I like the EU, I feel like the EU is a disaster and it's a ticking time bomb. But, But simply because the UK as its own entity is not as powerful as they believe. Okay. But, but although I think it's probably better off being outside you anyway, the main thing is that I knew there was no plan. There was no plan. And I knew that in terms of negotiating the exit from the EU, it was kind of like, I'm not sure if you ever watched them gang movies like Blood In, Blood Out. Like, you can't leave a gang unless you die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of almost like that. The EU are not going to let one of the biggest players, probably the second biggest player outside Germany, because they're yeah. a bigger player than France, yeah. leave the EU on the good terms. They're going to make an example of them. 
Like, so I think Netherlands were thinking of leaving the EU. They're going to show, like, listen, if you leave the EU, it's, it's going to be peak for you now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they're not going to get... So I always had the suspicion that the the EU, um, the UK will leave the EU and essentially kind of get a deal where it's basically a replica of what they had before, but with less privileges. So if you're in the EU, you can you can vote on what laws you're going to have. But if you're outside the EU and let's say you've got like a, some sort of trade deal with them, you can't vote on the regulations, but you still have to adhere to them as part of their trade agreement. Mm-hmm. Does that really make sense? So especially things like free free movement of labour, is that going to happen? And then if you're, if you're outside the EU, that's one of your biggest markets gone. How are you going to navigate? So Britain don't create that many goods and we are, we are a notorious net importer of things. Yeah. So that is... That's another thing that I wasn't too too fond of. So I, I knew it was gonna be a mess. I knew the government's gonna botch it, which they are doing in front of our eyes. And what the deadline for Article Two is? What March twenty nineteen, mm. which is not far away. What six months? Yeah, yeah. So, they've said nothing tangible. Yeah, yeah. nothing, nothing tangible. So no, a no deal is is definitely on the cards. In terms of how young people should navigate it, it's very interesting because even today, a couple of my boys were talk about buying houses and they're a bit scared. They don't know what's happened with Brexit. Is that going to take prices down so they can get things on a discount? Um, even, even I think Mark Carney, the chairman of the Bank of England, was saying he did some apparent stress test saying that, oh, it's going to be doom and gloom if there's no deal. I'm not too sure about that because they might always lie. But um, I don't know. It's very, very difficult to tell. Like, everybody has come with different points of views. But one thing is certain is that there's going to be uncertainty. And where's uncertainty, that's one of the worst economic mar- um, climates. So it depends on what people are trying to do if your business is based in the uk and your consumers are in the uk that's really going to be fine if you're like exporting things to europe mm. then you might be one of thinking about okay cool how's going to fit me what's going to happen with imports like mm. are there going to be tariffs on on me exporting my goods because if there's going to be tariffs that means people purchasing your goods from let's say estonia or belgium is going to be more expensive for them so that's going to that's impact you even stuff like holidays. Yeah, like, that's... Yeah. I think you, that's, might get, you might want to get your, <laughs> your European trips in ASAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even stuff, even stuff like exchange rate, you might want to get your European trip. Yeah. Like, even my boy was saying he was looking for um like holiday destinations next year and, like, EasyJet have no destinations past March. Oh. Uh, yeah, that advertising oh absolutely... Not, as in, he could not find a single EasyJet flight after March. Yo, mm. that's mad. Because uh, no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah, because I'm trying to go away... By then, I probably have gone away three times, Lord willing. But I think I'm going to Jamaica in March, so I'm even thinking I have to take out my dollars quite in advance because if there's yeah. some madness going on you and uh, exchange, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not trying to. I, I'm not trying to pay one pound for one dollar. I, I remember when when Brexit, the Brexit happened. Oh my days! That was two weeks before I went away to yeah, Croatia. Same. I went to France. I went to Croatia two weeks before. I remember I got to the airport and I was seeing one for one exchange rates, and I'm <laughs> and I'm used to, and. Before that, I'm used to seeing you take away, you take three hundred pounds, you're getting five hundred US back. I took three hundred pound, I got three hundred and forty euros back. I'm thinking, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah. that's things to think about as a young person. And also, I'm not sure what's going to happen with exchange with interest rates. So obviously, they might drop them back down again if Brexit goes yeah. goes all higgy. So you might, and also if you're taking a mortgage, you might want to get a fixed rate mortgage because you don't know what's going to happen with interest rate and Brexit. So you don't want your monthly payments to swing completely out of control so those are things that you can think about as a young person okay um so what are some top tips for edutainment podcasts and for those interested in economics and finance 
Do you know, I never heard that term until you said it today. It, I quite like that. Really? Enter- yeah, no, I've never heard of it. Oh, like entertaining. Yeah, 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 yeah. I quite like that term. So you repeat the question. Sorry, I got gasped. <laughs> so what um, are top tips for? Yeah, for edutainment podcasts and those interested in economics and finance. Because I'd, I'd say you're the leading one. I think the main thing is, are you trying to edutain or are you trying to show people that you're smart? So like, if you're trying to show people that you're smart, I'm not sure if this is the Rockerette type of mm. industry for you. Mm. Try being an intellectual, could go battle, like, you know, Thomas Sowell and all those people, type of people there. That's your that's your market. But entertainment, you want to make things as simple for people to understand. Like you want to be trying to break things down. You want your personality to come out as well. So don't try don't think like you're doing, I don't know, a Guardian podcast. That's what I was doing at first as well. I was trying to speak. I was like, well, hold on, what am I doing? Like Oh really? People, no, I, no, at first I was trying to tell myself, don't speak slang. Don't speak slang. So I can't, I can't remember my early podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to that many either. But I probably spoke a lot less slang then. Okay. And even my my parents listen to my podcast sometimes. Mm-hmm. And my mum's like, oh, right, well, you're saying like loads of Nigerian colloquialisms in my podcast. Because then I got a bit more comfortable. Then I realised, like, hold on, the people I'm targeting, why am I speaking like that? Yeah. I speak to them in a manner that they understand. Mm-hmm. So I think mainly how you communicate. Yeah. And also, um, it, like in, it depends on also topics like how are you you need to make your topics relevant to people so if you're talking about I don't know um, mortgages you want to make it which you know mortgages going to be relevant to us period but let me think of something else like okay that would be I spoke about interest rates mm-hmm. it's not put me just speaking about interest rates oh the bank I think I did this how's it going to affect 10 year bonds that doesn't mean need anything to anybody how is it going to affect your int- how's it going to affect your credit cards how's it going to affect if you want to get a house how's it going to affect your savings account buy t- all that type of stuff so you got to think about your market and how it impacts them and try to make it relevant show your personality or if, if not you're in danger of just being like another boring news podcast yeah and, and that's what um, people aren't looking for that well, as far as I'm aware and if they do they've got the platforms to get it yeah and you know they could just go on the news channels that kind of spawned your channel anyway yeah yeah cool. alright um, we've asked this question to all of our guests um what are your thoughts on financial freedom? What do you mean? So in terms of what would you... If someone says financial freedom, what does that mean to you? To me, financial freedom, to me, means when you're not worried about your finances. That's how I interpret it. So you're comfortable in your finances. Like, you're, you've got a firm grip on your cost, your, your firm grip, you've got you got a firm grip and no, not a firm grip you got a very good revenue stream relative to you obviously good revenue is different from all of us mm. and also like you're managing any potential debts and finances are never really an issue for you like on a monthly basis weekly yearly basis you know that okay cool, I don't have to worry about my bank account or I have to worry about money coming in I don't have to worry about covering these bills or managing servicing the steps like I'm fine in that regards that's what I see financial freedom as is that something that you're trying to attain? yeah, yeah I think yeah definitely um that's I think that's something that most of us should attempt to attain because it will make our life so much easier. You'd be surprised how many people just want to be stable. Yeah. yeah I was here, oh, I don't want to be rich, I just want to be comfortable. I'll think, do you know what? I understand that because this life is not easy. But for me personally, I wanna live as I wanna live my best life. <laughs> so <laughs> I need that financial freedom. But yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, that's how that's how I see it for me. All right, so we're going to go into the rice and stew. Rice is quite nice on its own. Well, it's a bit plain and a bit dead. But with some stew, obviously, it's absolutely amazing. So basically, it just means 
any books, any articles, any videos, any documentaries, literally anything that has been edifying to you in the past year, past week, anything that has, you know, yeah. been of interest to you or has helped you or educated you. Um, so on YouTube, um, I watch, there's two main people I pay attention to in terms of economics. I'm trying to grow that um, because some people are just boring and I can't listen to them, unfortunately. Mm. But um, one is Thomas Sowell. He's like, I don't really look up to people, but he's probably the only one of the only few people I look up to. He's a black conservative, but very, very smart um, economist. So I always try to check for him, but he's getting old now, so he's not really about. So he released something, he was on something like maybe a month ago. And uh, this, I think he's Scottish and um, he's more, actually, he's actually more leftist, um, Mark Blythe. So he talks a lot about um, economy, the, um, econ, 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 economics, <laughs> which makes no sense why I can't say the word. But um, he's had lots of interesting views that like he predicted a uh, Brexit. He predicted Trump. Wow. Gonna, yeah, he predicted Trump going to win. Um, he talks about stuff like why austerity is terrible. So he comes from like a different point of view. Very, very smart. But he does speak quite a lot of technical terms, so that might be quite difficult to follow. Um, I listen to FT podcasts. Yeah. They're, they've, they've got loads. They've got hella podcasts. And I think they're very, very easy to follow. And they're very short, like 15 minutes. They've got one called Banking Weekly so if you want to find out about stuff like in terms of the investment banking industry they've got Money Talk Money Weekly yeah. so that's all types of stuff from personal finance I think they even talked about was it Kylie Jenner no they talk about the, the finances behind Love Island but I didn't listen to that one because I hate Love Island oh is it yeah. oh no I just listened to that because yeah. I loved it I, I'm in the same boat <laughs> yeah loved I got to have Love Island and they've got Politics Weekly The Big Read they've got a Brexit one so they've got all types of stuff I also listen to Decrypted, which is a Bloomberg Tech episode, okay. which is really, really good. In fact, as you look, because you got to do podcasts, you've listened to it. How they edit it is actually so amazing. Is I'm it? Gonna, I'm going to copy them so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to copy them so hard. So I, so my main thing is listen to podcasts. They, and not, yeah, I listen to Free Economics as well. So I have to keep on podcasts, but I'm trying to read more. So, And also, yeah, what I read about, what was interesting I read about this week? Yeah, Boris Johnson being an idiot. I read about that. So, yeah. Have you been so. reading? Um, yeah, right now, um, I don't have that much time for reading, but just for entertainment, like before bed, I've been reading Barbarians at the Gate. So this is a book about basically um, this big company, Nabisco, basically had um, an IBO to, because their stock was undervalued. So they were trying to bring it up to value mm. and basically the chaos that ensued. So like I'm kind of at the beginning, so I was talking about... Um, the guy who was the president at the time and kind of his background and um, how he was basically just an irresponsible guy from <laughs> day one and how it factored into his decision to bring the company into this direction and yeah it, it's very entertaining and I believe there's a movie about it as well but I'm not going to read I'm not going to watch the movie till I finish reading the book oh I'll beg you tell me about the movie after so I can see that <laughs> books that I can't I need to learn how to read I've got so many books that I need to read audio books like, maybe huh do you audio, audio? But audiobooks depends on the person's voice. Like, it's true. I, like I had one audiobook for Thomas Albert, which was great. And another one which sound I was like, just shoot me now. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. Some of them sound like that. Yeah. Robotics. Um for me, I'm concentrating on well, for those of you who are following me on Twitter, I'm concentrating on um copy. So if I was to suggest a book, it would be how to write copy better. Um, just a great introduction into how to write copy better um, going from headlines to I said probably like email copy 
Um, and for those of you who don't know what copy is, essentially the words that are on anything. <laughs> um, so from emails to um, even Facebook ads to um, literally Twitter is a whole bunch of copy in itself. Yeah, it's writing for advertising, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like the words in adverts, like slogans and all that. Mm. kind of there's a psychology behind it so oh, really? okay yeah, yeah like for example if you look at bmw adverts you'll see that they always try and convey messages of one luxury because they're trying to compete with mercedes yeah. and two masculinity because mm. they know that we're really marketing to 30 year old guys mm. whose bodies are starting to slow down so we need to make them feel more virile in our advertising so oh, okay stuff like it's very subtle but like being able to write things that catch people stuff yeah. like that. yeah it's very very important yeah What's the other book you, you told me about? The cash advertising. Or yeah, cash advertising. Oh, cash advertising as well is probably the most epic book I've ever read in my entire life. Um, literally, it's a bunch of secrets, more than a hundred ad secrets, ad agency secrets. Um, so if you want to be on this copy journey with me, try and get hella peas from people. How, how many words is the book? I mean, how many words? How many pages? How many pages? Um, it's not even that long, but it's not a book you just read. You have to study it. So it's something that you can really can make notes on. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, definitely have to do that because that you'll, you'll, you'll miss the point. You'll just miss the point. And yeah, this is something that I'm zeroing in because I know that this area of marketing is lacking Huge. ridiculously. And yet there is so much money in it. Um, one of the guys, like one of the most epic copywriters of all time, Gary Holbert, um, he made a company... £95,000 more than what they were making already and they were making £4 million a year. And imagine what he got from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, copywriters can earn like mad money. I know the best copywriters are getting like 100000 to like 3 mil per copy. Um, oh yeah, per, 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 per copy. That's what I'm flipping hell. Yes, per copy and also they can do royalties as well. Right. So obviously if you now selling this product this whatever you can take a percentage of that mm. recurring so you're still making money 10 years after you've written that coffee stuff like slogans and t-shirts it's no nah, like it's not even just that like email marketing like facebook yeah. ads Jesus. newsletters um yeah. newspapers magazines anything like copy is everywhere um, that's why i'm into it so yeah you want to join me yeah <laughs> i thought that thousand per letter was expensive like this three mil the mil. top ones that's like the one percent those one percent of the one percent yeah. get the three mil per copy because they're obviously the conversion rates are dead. but obviously it's because they have great copy because they advertise themselves as being able to copy well exactly yeah but yeah um yeah thank you so much for listening once Wait, again about who's coming to dinner oh my gosh wow sorry wow. <laughs> we haven't really... <laughs> oh i'm a mess today um Sorry, trying to abruptly end the episode. Um, so who's coming home for dinner? Someone of merit, someone you'd like to meet today, yesterday, tomorrow. Um, could be dead or alive. Yeah. I'm Andrew in the blank. Come back to me. Wow. Hey, Literally anyone. It could be anyone. And you'd have to, you have to explain why. I'm trying to think. I've got, I've got two people. Either Plato, okay, or Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell, just to speak to him about the economics, um, his views on um, on racism and the black and black community, 
because he has some views that I kind of disagree with, but I love to challenge him on those. And just general, just talk to about economics and philosophy that I'm interested in. Yeah. Plato, because he's obviously one of the most revered minds ever, and I used to be quite big in philosophy, just, just kind of like speak to him on how he got to think of the theory of the forms and just philosophy and maths in general. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the two people I can speak to. Ah, oh, me. Who have I been? Who have I been? Yeah, it'd probably be Gary Holbert. I can't even lie to you, just because how does like his writing is absolutely impeccable. Like it is just to die for. It is funny. It's edu- it's like conversational writing, and it makes sense why he converts so much. So I'd definitely love to be like, give me all your secrets right now, please, in a package, in something, in a house or something. Like literally, just give it to me. Um, yeah. So I can make money too. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess mine is my dad, I can't lie. Um, having conversations with him this week about optimizing business because he's like a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now, learning now, he was doing and learning back in the 90s mm. and like the 80s as well. Like he's very um he, he was basically he foresaw what would happen with computers mm. so he learned coding when he was in uni so like he he was doing a civil engineering degree but he spent like the uni had four computers so he spent all his time in the computer room mm. learning coding then um, obviously he came here and like learned a whole bunch of business stuff like he's run businesses seen how they seen how they work like he's like worked in a lot of head offices and stuff so he is like a treasure trove when it comes to all this entrepreneurial stuff. So learning from him and learning what I need to learn as well. Um, yeah, continue. Like, he's definitely the person I bring to dinner because like right now he's adding ridiculous value to my life in terms of where I want to go and who I want to be, especially like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. Mm. Yeah, that's my person. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Added so much value to this podcast episodes, the two of them. Um, be sure to check out um, all our other podcasts as well. Please follow us on Twitter, Rise at Home Pod, Instagram, Rise at Home Podcast. Um, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Comment on, on SoundCloud because we definitely love your comments. Um, some of them are hilarious. Um, and yeah. We will see you in season two. And if you're not on the mailing list by now, you are seriously lacking. Because you have no idea the secrets that we're spilling in the mailing list. So like, get on it. Like if you think the podcast is good, we're basically coming here and rambling. There, we actually sit down and take time to write something that adds value and is extremely actionable. If you're not on the po- if you're not on the email list, you are missing out on the kind of information that can make you your millions. So get on the list, guys. All right. Find the link in our Twitter, bro. <laughs> and with that, if you can't buy it twice, just know that there's rice at home. <laughs>